From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Now Joseph is going to go get his dad. Um, his dad, Jacob, is back in Canaan land. He's going to bring Canaan dad and bring all the brothers back to Egypt to stay with him during the famine, just to make sure that his dad and his brothers are taken care of during the famine. After all, he is the prime minister of Egypt. He's got a lot of wealth. Uh, he's got a lot of influence. He can certainly do a whole lot more for his brothers than the land of Canaan can. Um, so I think we'll just pick up the story in chapter 47, beginning verse 1. And uh, we'll just see where it goes. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, We have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. So um, they, uh, they come up to Pharaoh. They have this incredible meeting. I mean, what are the odds of these guys from land of Canaan? There are probably people in Egypt that have never even set foot in Pharaoh's court. This just doesn't happen, right? I mean, have you ever set foot in any legislative body and talked to anybody? I mean, you can, but most people don't do that. And to go and meet the Pharaoh, who is the the ruler of all the land, uh, and to have this encounter with him is just really incredible. But they go and they and they go and they meet Pharaoh, and they and Pharaoh asks about them. They say, "Well, we're shepherds." Well, let's see what Pharaoh says. Verse five. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. So now here is interesting. Pharaoh, this happens all the time, right? You judge one person based upon the family, uh, and so you assume that the rest of the family is just like the one person that you know. And this is not always the case. It is sometimes the case, but it is not always the case. Um, there, It is true that if you have uh, a great person, that there's probably greatness in the rest of the family. But that, that is no guarantee. But Pharaoh wants to check it out. He's like, I am so impressed with Joseph. If there is any other of your brother's that have special ability, put them in charge of their own livestock. Uh, and so, um, well, let's see what happens. Verse 7, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? I just want to pause here for a second. So Jacob blesses Pharaoh. I, I don't know what that I don't know what that blessing looked like, but I'm sure that it was probably like the blessing that he received from his father or that he will give to his sons. Um, uh, and basically, it is something like, "May the land be fruitful before you. Uh, may you have good whatever it is. Um, 
the, the ability to bless Pharaoh and to bring that blessing from God, I'm sure it was a godly blessing, although it's not recorded, uh, is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, who, who, who does that? <laughs> who goes and blesses Pharaoh? Um, and Pharaoh asks him, how old are you? Verse 9, And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Wow. So Jacob tells him, I'm a hundred and thirty years old. Um, the years have been few and difficult, but they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. So he's not quite living as long as his fathers at this point, but he is living 130 years, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. 130 years is a long time to live in the land. Um, and then Jacob blesses Pharaoh and then goes out from his presence. And then what happens? Verse 11. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses is, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all of his father's household with food according to the number of their children. So for sure, uh, Joseph is taking care of his father. He's taking care of his brothers, giving the best part. They'd already settled in the land of Goshen. Now the land of Goshen, I did a little bit of research on this. The land of Goshen is in the Nile Delta on the east side of the Nile Delta. Now, the Nile Delta, uh, you've heard of the Nile. The Nile is the largest river in Africa. It starts, there's a bunch of rivers in the southern part of Africa that flow northward into this big lake called Queen Victoria. And then from Queen Victoria Lake, the, the, the water drains out, goes north, for hundreds of miles until it reaches the Nile Delta where it spreads out and it goes into the Mediterranean. And um, it used to be that there were seven or eight rivers coming out at the, in the Delta that would get to a point and they would spread out into seven rivers that are like fingers uh, that would go out. And then from there, they would take the water and, and irrigate the whole Nile Delta. Today, it's mostly just two main branches of the Nile Delta, but they still take that water um, and they irrigate. They can either do it through wells uh, or they could do it through canal system. Um, but that water basically, and if you look, and I can get the map here. Let's see. I'm going to go to Google Maps. And uh, this is, um, I have no idea what this is. This is, uh, okay, here's Cairo. Cairo's at the southern tip of the, Nile, of the Delta. So the Nile River comes in here and it reaches Cairo. And then from Cairo, uh, they call it a Delta because it's triangular shaped, right? It's a, it's a big triangular shape, which is a Delta. And... Um, there you go. That's the Nile Delta. Look at the size of that thing. I mean, Cairo is one of the largest cities in Egypt, the largest city in Egypt. Um, and this is a big, big city. And now look at the Nile Delta. Just look at the th how big that is. Um, that is all green. So this is all agricultural area of, it probably feeds all of Egypt. It is how big is it? So we're going to just measure the distance. 
and go up here and here and here and here and maybe back to here and here. So this is 9,367 uh, square miles. Oh my goodness. So Pima County is 9,000 square miles. So this is about the same size as Pima County. Uh, maps, Google, um, Pima County. Pima County, AZ. So there you go. We're, there's Tucson. That's like Egypt. Um, and this is all of Pima County. And that's, again, about 9,000 square miles. So the Nile Delta goes from J6 Ranch all the way to Y, Arizona, Ajo, all that, Oregon Pipe, Cactus, all of this area. Can you imagine if all of that area was irrigated from one of the largest rivers in Africa and all of this producing food? It would be, it's just amazing. It's just an amazingly large area, the, Dial, the Nile Delta. And um, I believe the land of Goshen is on the east side. I think I saw it on a map. Oh, I have it here. The land of Goshen. So it's right, in, if I click on this, uh, it disappears. So it, like, it's, I can't tell. <laughs> it doesn't show up. Right there where that star is, is the land of Goshen. Or that's where, that's where Cairo is. So, but the land of Goshen is around here. And this shows three main tributaries coming out of, out of Nile. Um, so anyway, this is a very, very fertile area. If they were to dig a well, um, they would immediately find water because water is not very far from the surface of the earth here in the Nile Delta. And the, and the, and the Nile has just 85 billion gallons of water a day that come out of the Nile River. I mean, it's just some amazing amount of water that's coming out of the Nile. And uh, so if you live in the Nile Delta, you have access to water. It's just, it's a fertile oasis um, that is able to support an incredible amount of life. But if you go to the rest of Africa, I mean, just look at the rest of it uh, here. It's just... It, it's it's as barren as Arizona. I mean, right? Look at that. It's all desert, all desert, all desert. And then you get to the southern part of Africa, and all that is green. Look at that, green. And then you get to the very, very southern tip. So that's, just look at how dry and barren the whole northern part of Africa. Compare that to Arizona. Um, here's Arizona right here. So we're a little bit greener. I mean, just think of how desert we are. And we show up as a little bit of green. And then you go over to Northern Africa and just look at that. I mean, it, there is the ability to support any life whatsoever in that area is just absolutely amazing. Um, from about here all the way north, Sudan, Niger, uh, Mauritania, Algeria, Libya, Egypt, all of that. Just very little water to support life. And then you have the Nile Delta, which is just huge, 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 size of Pima County. All right, so um, I don't know where we were. So yeah, so Joseph settled his fathers and his brothers in Egypt, gave him property in the best part of the land, uh, the district of Ramses, as the Pharaoh directed. And then he gave him enough food and clothing. So Joseph is taking care of his brothers. 
but it's not over yet. Um, let's see what happens. Uh, verse 13, there was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for all the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. So this is interesting. Joseph is collecting all the money that people have. So they're selling everything they have, and they're giving it to Pharaoh because Pharaoh has all the grain. And Pharaoh is going to become filthy rich out of this whole thing. Because of God's dream to Pharaoh, because of God's having Joseph to interpret the dream, um, all, they sell everything and they give it to Pharaoh. But now there's nothing left to sell. So what happens? Verse, verse 16. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, and their goats, their cattle, and their donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. So again, he doesn't, we talked about this before, but he doesn't just give the grain away. People um, deserve, uh, how do I, people deserve the opportunity to get through hard times by making sacrifices. Let me put it that way. You don't want people to die. But you don't want to just give people stuff um, because that can destroy people. So uh, Joseph understands this principle. He doesn't just give them grain. He forces them to have an equitable uh, sale of property and livestock. So, uh, and then, of course, now what is Egypt going to do with all this livestock? He's going to have to figure out ways to keep these livestock fed Um or they're going to be slaughtered and killed also. I don't know. But um, the people do that. Verse 18. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there's nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we, with our land, will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seeds so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So they're going to sell themselves into slavery. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seeds for the fields and as food for yourselves and your household and your children. <laughs> so they sell their livestock, they sell their land, they sell their own bodies into servitude, into Pharaoh. Uh, they become sharecroppers. Pharaoh lets them live on the land, but the land belongs to Pharaoh. And in retaliation for this, um, not retaliation, payment for this, 
Pharaoh uh, says, you can live on the land, you can farm the land, but one-fifth of all your crops have to come back to me. Uh, and they, they are, they're happy with this deal, um, which is interesting. Um, so how a far cry we are from how we are today with some people who demand, right, that when life is tough, that somebody else takes care of them. And um, this was never the way it was meant to be. Um, and, and it's because we're supposed to take care of people who are widows. We're supposed to take care of people that are orphans. We're supposed to take people who cannot fend for themselves. But there is no place in Scripture that says we need to take for people who are able-bodied, who can certainly do work um, and earn a living. Uh, and, and I mean, just look at the biblical principle here uh, in Pharaoh's land. If you have the ability to work, you work, period. Uh, and you give up even yourself in slavery, if necessary, to stay alive, to work, so that you can honorably... Um, you know, have the honor and integrity of living your own life. There is, and it's not even just honor and integrity. It really is that um, the, the best way to live your life is knowing that you have value, right? That your whole entire body has value, uh, that you can work, that you could even sell yourself into slavery, that there is, that there is some sense of, of self-dignity left in your body, that you can do something for the world around you. And when we just take care of people who can take care of themselves, we rob them of that dignity. And it is, it is a severe, uh, it is a severe crushing blow to anybody to rob them of that dignity. And I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody that is this way, um, but it is a severe crushing blow when they realize they cannot work anymore, maybe because they're addicted to drugs uh, or they have other addictions or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's very unfortunate. It robs people, and we should never do it intentionally. We should, we should always strive to help people return to a life where they can have honor and dignity. And, um, you know, we, we are so huge in our government. We have so much wealth that it's easier just to take care of people uh, than it is to help them through crises like this. And that's why federal government can never, ever take care of this problem. Really, the only people that are qualified uh, and have enough resources because it takes a lot of volunteer help is, is uh, nonprofit organizations like the church and others. I mean, it's not just the church, but it's others that um, have been started by the church and then taken over funding from the government and then become government programs and then they get messed up too. Really, the only, th the only salvation of the world is the church. Sorry. Um, but that is a different sermon for a different day. So what do the people say in response to all this? Verse 25, you have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of the Lord. We will be in bondage in Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning land in Egypt, still in force today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh it was only the land of the priests that did not become pharaohs. So even at the time of Moses writing this, uh, this Genesis account, um, says that it is still the law in the land, that a fifth of the land from the sharecroppers goes to uh, Pharaoh, but the land of the priests do not have to do that because they're already paid, and they're, you know, priests. Priests are, are given special, I guess, because they are, uh, you know, serving Pharaoh, I assume, in Pharaoh's court, they don't need to 
you know, they're they're in service of the state to some to some degree. They do not necessarily need to give a fifth. Um, so, uh, I think we'll I think we'll leave it there. I'm not going to read any farther. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll pick it up in verse 27. Let me mark that now. Verse 27 for tomorrow, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But a lot of changes going on in Egypt at this point. Um, people are are you know at one point they were just tribal. Uh, and they took care of themselves. But when the, this must have been a severe famine, seven years of famine. Uh, it completely changed the dynamic and the power structure of Pharaoh. So, uh, and Pharaoh did become, if you look at the dynasties, the Pharaoh dynasties, they had an incredible amount of wealth. Um, it's because of these slaves that they were able to build the pyramids. It's because of these slaves and everybody serving Pharaoh that it took generations of people in service to Pharaoh um, before they broke free of this. Uh, some of them were able to sell, buy themselves out of slavery. The, the Jews were not able to. They continued in slavery uh, until God had to come and rescue them. So God rescues the Jews out of slavery. Others were permanently slaves into Pharaoh, um, became sharecroppers. Maybe they bought the land. Um, maybe, they, maybe they just stayed as sharecroppers. Um, and maybe the, there's just a lot of stuff. I, it would be fun to go back and look at the history of all this. Probably Josephus has a little bit of it. Um, but anyway, uh, this was a major... Famines do this. I was telling this uh, to somebody last week. Um, and, I'll, and I'll close with this. Uh, we're living in a famine right now. We've got a pandemic. So it's not an agricultural famine. It is a medical famine. It is a health famine. And every seven years of seven, there was supposed to be a Jubilee year. Now, I'm told that they never actually celebrated the Jubilee year because um, at the end of seven years of seven, uh, basically all land reverted back to the people that they had the loans through. I mean, so here in, in uh, Pharaoh's time, if they celebrated a, a Jubilee year, they would go 50 years. And at the end of 50 years, if you're living on the land as a sharecropper, that land becomes yours again and Pharaoh has to give it up. That would be what a Jubilee year would look like. Um, but what happens is that uh, wealth gets concentrated at the very, very top. And so one of the ways to stop that is to have a Jubilee year where, where the wealth is back distributed to people. But another thing that changes the world dramatically and forever is pandemics because in the course of a pandemic it's an opportunity for everything to reset um, we are resetting now we're doing things digitally that we never did before and so if you're going to survive into the next century if you're going to survive in well into the 21st century which is what we're in right um, you are going to figure out how this pandemic is changing the world and you are going to look forward and say what should like life look like now because of this pandemic? And, you're, and there will be people that will come out winners of this pandemic because of the pandemic. And there will be losers in the pandemic because they will look towards the past and they want things to happen the way they were in the past. And they're clinging on to the past. It's like 
people who used to make buggy whips, right? Um, when we were in the horse and buggy days, you might have been a, a, a buggy whip manufacturer. Well, then the automobile came, uh, you know, uh, came around. And if you wanted to stay a buggy whip manufacturer, you were welcome to do that. But your, the market value of a buggy whip was going to go to zero. Nobody needed buggy whips anymore. What we needed was gasoline and tires and all that sort of thing. And if you were smart enough to see the future of what was going to happen ahead of you, you were what, you know, what the economic people call winners of the new economy. If you're clinging to the past, then you are an economic loser of the old economy. And so this pandemic is going to create a whole new set of winners and losers. And so uh, if you are listening to this and you're trying to cling to the past, probably all of you are retired, so it's not. But if you know people in your family or grandchildren or whatever, have them understand that the world is going to look different in the future. And, uh, and there are going to be new ways of doing things like totally new ways of doing things, new ways of information, new ways of everything, like education, right? We want to go back to the education model the way it was in classrooms, but we're going to go to hybrid here. We're in hybrid now in the Vail School District, um, and there's just going to be new ways of doing things, and we may not end up going back to the old ways at all. And the school districts that are going to succeed well into the 21st century are those that understand that this pandemic has created a huge opportunity uh, to be more efficient. It's going to get rid of the chaff and we're going to become more efficient. And, and this efficiency is going to include digital learning, digital content, taking the best of the best of the best teachers, uh, having them prepare lectures uh, through this medium and having the students watch those lectures and then they come to the teachers or aides or whatever to understand or to flush out those lectures. But if you are a lecturer uh, and you are a good lecturer, uh, I pray that you are right now creating content that is going to be available to the world around you because that is what we need you to do. You need to be a world-class lecturer. Uh, and you need to and you need to make that content available. Okay? And and that's that's where the world's going. So enough of that. Um, I think we'll leave it there. I really do. And um, I thank you for joining me. And I pray that God richly blesses you today. Like we're going to get together all this week. Uh, and then uh, we'll probably finish this. I thought we'd get through a chapter a day. Not going to happen. Although the end of this chapter is just a bunch of genealogy. Uh, so it may it'll probably go quicker. All right. So let's just close in prayer. Dear God, thanks for this day. Watch over us. Uh, wash over us with your love and your grace. Uh, until we meet again tomorrow, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name.